From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and the studios of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. On today's show, we address the very real problem of pastor burnout. What happens when the caregivers need care? We talk with the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson, Executive Director of Ministry Mentors, an organization designed to connect pastors in mentoring relationships, providing support in all areas of their professional and personal lives. Stay tuned. Hey friends, before we begin the show, I wanted to take a moment and talk to you about a new podcast from my friend, the Reverend Kat Banakas. It's called The Holy, Holy Podcast, and each episode, Kat takes this big question like dying or careers or how to be single and Christian, and she talks about it with experts from across the nation, sometimes from across the world, and then at the end of the show, she puts it to a three-person panel that includes a representative of the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, and the Christian faith. It's always a fantastic conversation. I always learn something when I listen to it, and I just love the fact that she's doing it. So I hope that you'll take a look for the Holy Holy Podcast. You can find it through iTunes. You can find it at holyholypodcast.com. You can also find it through our website, csec.org. So that's the Holy Holy Podcast with the Reverend Kat Banakas. Give it a listen. I know, I know you're going to love it. Thanks. Okay, here we go with the show. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She worked for many years as a pastor. She pastored the North Park Covenant Church and the Douglas Park Church in the Chicago area. She now works as the executive director and president of Ministry Mentors, and that's an organization that uh, supports pastors by providing independent and confidential pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. She was the former associate superintendent of the Central Conference of the Evangelical Covenant Church. Jolene Bergstrom Carlson, welcome to Things Not Seen. Thank you. Well, I want to jump right in and sort of ask about this organization that you're now heading up, Ministry Mentors. If you could, if you could expand on this phrase that I just used that says that it's sort of pastor to pastor mentoring among clergy, help us to sort of understand in, in a wider sense what it does and why it exists. Ministry Mentors was begun in 1999 by an ELCA pastor, Reverend Don Fagerberg, after he had retired and realized that as he was exiting the local parish ministry, that he had recognized how helpful it had been to him to have um, a mentor to walk with him or several mentors to walk with him. So he began creating in his imagination the possibility of seeing how pastors could more formally, in a more organized way, reach out to other pastors. And this began because one of the things that can happen so easily with pastors and in the specific role of pastors is that um, we can believe that it's important 
that we do things by ourselves. And while the business world and the health community often, it's very normal and natural to have a pastor or to have a mentor, I mean. But in the religious spiritual leadership community, that was less the norm. And especially 20 years ago or almost 20 years ago, it was less than the norm. So this has, this organization has been growing by facilitating pastors, meeting pastors. We train mentors so that there's a very high standard of the mentoring that happens for the organization. And it began in the Chicagoland area and now has 13 different groups around the country. And some of the growth has also been with expanding into um, pastors meeting in some, beginning to meet in some peer groups and in some, we're looking toward cohort groups as well. But the basic bottom line is one pastor meeting with another pastor for support, uh, for challenge. Um, The pastors look at what they need and the mentoring session is, is, is led by what the pastor chooses, whether it's family relationships or church conflicts or whatever situation that pastor's in. Now, why in the world would a pastor need support? Why would a pastor need to to get that kind of conversation in motion? Pastoring is a very, in some ways, unique vocation in that there's a lot of people that a pastor is responsible to in a congregational setting and there are a lot of what sometimes we call bosses <laughs> that that we answer to. And the expectations of who a pastor is to be among many different parish members can be very different than what a pastor's expectation can be. And so the demands not only of some of those expectations and the practical things but the demands of being on call 24-7, the demands of and the beauty of both walking with and being present to people in times of crisis in their lives. I call that holy ground, to be able to walk and to serve families on the death of a loved one or in a hospital or a health crisis. But it's very demanding as well. So to know that you have someone who is walking with you and someone who's been through it and knows what it means to breathe deeply sometimes and to stop and realize that it's okay to carry to another person what's happening in your own life. Now, when you were a pastor mm-hmm. uh, and you, you served a couple of different churches in the Chicago area, did you have this kind of mentoring relationship? Was this useful to you or was this something that you wished that you had? Both. And it was more informal at that time. I was very fortunate to my vocation of going into the pastoral ministry was a second vocation. So I was a, a teacher and a parent educator before that time. So I I was very fortunate to have relationships that had been already established. My husband was also a pastor and a professor of theology, and so I also had a partner in my home. But there was a very significant person that 
walked very closely with me in both of the instance or both of the pastorates. And if you could say sort of what in your experience both as a pastor and dealing with pastors, what the three biggest challenges or the three biggest risks for a person who is in the pastorate would be that maybe our listeners wouldn't realize, what would those three things be? I think the biggest risk is one of believing that we need to do this call alone. One of the biggest dangers is the old cliche of being a Lone Ranger. And one of the reasons that that is hard is because it can challenge your own personal faith and saying, if I need help to do this, then am I depending enough on God? And the challenge that can come from that can go into the second one kind of, which is the expectation of oneself and sometimes the congregation that you can be all to all and that you don't have your own limitations or your own concerns about uh, different growing areas in your own life that you're you know, kind of constantly having to be an expert in lots of areas. And I would say another huge challenge is the challenges to the families, depending on the congregation that you serve. But there is a demand on the spouse, whether it's a, a wife or a husband, to somehow also follow some of those expectations and also can be on the children as well. And the other piece of that can be that because of a lot of night meetings and just difference of schedules, when everybody else is leaving a job on Friday and looking forward to the weekend, a pastor's family is just going into the heavy weekend. An advantage of that can be that you can do things during the week that someone else might not be able to do as a parent with your children or with your spouse. But there's those three I think are very strong challenges that happen. I do want to say, though, too, that I'm, I've been – in working with some of the younger pastors, I am delighted to find that some, not all, of course, but are a little more open to saying – putting some priorities on that they're human and that they're – you know, can make some mistakes and that they're going to go ahead and take care of their families too. So I'm, I'm delighted with that. You, you yourself worked as a, as a pastor for a number of years, and I wonder if, if you're comfortable sharing with our listeners your sense of discernment and calling. Like how did you decide that you were supposed to be a pastor, and what was that process like? As I mentioned just briefly, uh, my first college education and degrees were in um, education – and I taught at the community college level for several years in the Chicagoland area. And then we had three children, and um, a friend of mine and myself worked at developing a, a parent education association in the western suburbs of Chicago. And its goal was to connect new moms to each other to find the support and the networking that they needed to find with each other. And in the process of just being a layperson at a church, I had a pastor 
who was observing, I guess, more than anything else, who continued to say to me, Jolene, you are a pastor, and you probably won't be at peace unless you get yourself to seminary. (laughs) I kind of laughed. My husband was a pastor. I had no desire to go that route. And I um, was very challenged and glad working with this non-for-profit organization and bringing people together with different parenting issues. But when our youngest started kindergarten, I said, okay, he was rather rather insistent on continuing to give that message to me. And so I said, let me just try a class and see what happens. And I um, walked into the exegesis of Genesis class, not knowing what exegesis really meant, (laughs) and found to my delight and hard work (laughs) the the pure um, journey and adventure of learning and relearning scriptures and the whole area of pastoral ministry. When you found yourself then actually leaving seminary and entering the pastorate, Was this person who had noticed these gifts in you correct in your estimation? Do you feel like you really were not at peace until you had had been in in that sort of role? Or or was there still something else that needed to happen in addition to just being a pastor? Let me say that the seminary process for those who are called into going into a second career and you have a family, let me just say that's, that's quite an interesting process by itself. I think there was no question that what I was doing was what I was to be doing. And I had the privilege of serving in a uh, cross-cultural Spanish-speaking community in the Chicagoland area. So I was the pastor of a small inner-city congregation in the heart of a uh, basically Mexican-based community. So the privilege of of being in that situation if I had continued to have doubts and stretched and and invited me to grow, sometimes kicking and screaming, but invited me to grow in ways. And it was there when I realized how much it meant to listen to another culture, but also to listen to other people around you that were serving in ministry. You're listening to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She is the President and Executive Director of Ministry Mentors, an organization that supports pastors by providing independent, confidential, pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, David Dalt here. You may be wondering why we take time out of the podcast to have these little minute-long breaks with the crazy music underneath. The answer is simple. We are trying to design the podcast so that it pays for itself, and so these are places where someday we will have some advertising. Now, let's say that you have been interested in getting into some sort of podcasting advertising platform where you want to promote your product. 
we would be a wonderful mid-market solution for you, uh, particularly if you want to reach an educated audience that really, really likes stuff about religion. Uh, so that's what this is here for. So if you would like to learn more about advertising with us, you can go to advertisecast.com or you can contact us through our website. We would love, love, love to work with you. Thank you always for listening. Okay, back to the show. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today to the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She's executive director and president of Ministry Mentors, and that's an organization that supports Christian pastors by providing independent, confidential, pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. As you shifted from the pastorate to then become involved in ministry mentors, help us understand what that process was like. And I'm going to ask a similar sort of question to the one that I asked in the first part of the show. Was there a discernment process? Did you have to come to grips with the changing shape of your call? And was that process in any way a struggle? The time between serving the local church and becoming executive director, president of Ministry Mentors was a 10-year period of serving in the Central Conference of the Evangelical Covenant Church as the associate superintendent and as director of, of church planting or new church development. And I bring that in because that opened my eyes to a multitude of churches and a multitude of pastors and looking from the almost outside looking in to say, how do pastors find and enrich their support systems so that their ministry, which we talked about before, that can be really, you know, kind of rough. How does that happen? And I went through a time as the associate superintendent of being well, not totally discouraged, but but wondering if there wasn't another way, or if there weren't more ways of helping pastors realize that the the, the call that it, that is there, the different things that are both beautiful in congregations and challenging in congregations. How does this all connect so that the the health I, I guess I would say the wholeness and the health of both the congregation and the pastor can develop into more of what it can be. Oftentimes in this particular role, we wouldn't see pastors until there was a crisis. And the crisis, and I love to use a medical metaphor for this and what pastors can give and do with and for each other. And if we, for just our own health, physical health, if we do some of what we call preventative and we walk or we try to eat healthy or et cetera, that's a good thing. And and we may not end up in the emergency room or on life support, but there's a lot of different places that we take care of ourselves along the way. And that, as I was seeing pastors and their families, often not seek help until it was the emergency room situation. It struck me so deeply, we can do more here. We can do more to try to find where we have the support system on the more preventative end before everything 
begins to fall apart. Now, when you use this this phrase, an emergency room situation, I'm going to ask, you don't literally mean that pastors would be going to the emergency room. So I'm sorry, that's no, a metaphor. <laughs> I, but in, in unpacking that metaphor, help us to understand, when we talk about a pastor going into a crisis, what does that look like? And, and certainly I I'm not asking you to disclose any particulars, but if you could give our listeners a general sense of kind of what it looks like when a pastor is hitting that crisis situation, what are some of the symptoms of that crisis? Mm-hmm. A crisis can either be a personal crisis, which is either a vocational or a family uh, crisis, or it can be a church crisis, a congregational crisis. I mean, it could be a health crisis too, but not literally all the time. The the, the personal crisis, um, as I mentioned earlier, can be where the the demands of a particular uh, time in one's pastoral ministry have become so strong that the family relationships are challenged. And that can be with a spouse. It can be with your children. It can be a time when, as some people that I've written about this, where, where their spouse comes to them and says, no more, <laughs> no more. You're gone six nights a week or five nights a week, and our weekends are full. I really can't do this anymore, the, the spouse may say. And that is a time where unless there is a time to stop and look at it and begin to get the help that's needed, that's the emergency room kind of, of crisis. Now, yeah. we, we, can, we can misunderstand a pastoral situation and think about it simply as one man or one woman sort of standing in the breach. But what you've just raised is that, you know, when when pastors have significant relationships with wives, with husbands, with children, that we're really talking about a family dynamic Absolutely. here. And and that those family dynamics have to be accounted for too. So in your work with ministry mentors, do you find that it's difficult sometimes to have pastors widen their focus to think not just about their own self-care but also the self-care of their family or is that an easy conversation to have i think it's it is growing and becoming easier definitely yes and now would be a good time to mention the pilot project that we have going on with north park seminary in the chicago area because we have our trained seasoned mentors that are connected with the incoming seminary students for this year. It's As I said, it's a pilot. One of the most significant aspects of that, of our pilot year, is having a professional family sociologist work with us who's done considerable research in the area of pastors' families. And so that we have, from the very beginning, we are including the that when a pastor is called into the ministry, if there is a, a, a nuclear family, that nuclear family is deeply affected. And so that's in the pilot project. The way ministry mentors is structured with the confidentiality, the mentors that we have trained around the country mentor pastors, and we don't know the content of what is between the pastor being mentored and the trained mentor of because that's extremely important. And one of the beauties of that also 
is that with Ministry Mentors being a cross-denominational organization and not just a one-denomination organization, that there are times when our pastors being mentored really choose to have someone that is outside of his or her own denomination. And so in the midst of that, the content that happens is that private content. But knowing how many times we hear of the different commonalities that pastors' families have is where we come to the need for the nuclear family. And one of the blessings of that truly is beginning to look in that way, then families that are in the congregation, you know, see this model of a pastor's family that is perhaps we could say healthier than one that's just strung out totally. So there's and can maybe, you know, receive some of the benefits for their own families. (laughs) If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She's executive director and president of Ministry Mentors, and that's an organization that supports pastors by providing independent, confidential, pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. So you were a pastor at several churches in the Evangelical Covenant Church, and then later you were the associate superintendent of the Central Conference of the Evangelical Covenant Church based in Chicago. And you just mentioned before the break that you were working with ministry mentors in a new pilot project with North Park Seminary, which is the seminary for the Evangelical (laughs) Covenant Church. I wonder if you would just take a moment and for our listeners who have never heard of this particular denomination before, where did the evangelical church come from? How does it sort of fit in the the, the sort of uh, alphabet soup of various types of denominations? And uh, what what when when we think about the evangelical covenant church, what are we what are we sort of what do we mean by that? There were as is true of several denominations, but this is an immigrant church. It began as immigrants were coming from Sweden, so its base is Swedish Lutheran. The church that I grew up in in rural Iowa was the Evangelical Lutheran Swedish Covenant Mission Church. Is that enough of a name? (laughs) But it was a group of people who um, wanted to get their spiritual food from the Bible and from each other, basically. And it was a pietistic movement, and it traveled with the Swedes into the United States. And it's still a fairly small denomination. It's It met the, the basic liturgical, came from the Lutheran, and then it met the revival movement in America. And so it's a very eclectic group of people. I would say from from kind of there's there's congregations that are much more like mainline congregations and there are congregations that are much more what would be traditionally perhaps seen as free or like um, open worship and free. Its base and what kind of holds it together is um, what are called affirmations, and so the the denomination agrees upon the um, affirmations, which are then become kind of dogma, but not totally dogma. So there's some exciting times. 
<laughs> what what strikes me about your description, uh, and particularly what stood out, is saying that this was an immigrant church. When I think about immigrant communities in the history of the United States, they come and then they find a need for mutual aid and interlocking support. And it strikes me that that's very similar to the model that you're talking about in Ministry Mentors, that that in some ways pastors among us are kind of gospel immigrants. They speak a slightly different language than we do Mm. and they, they are they're pointing us to a culture that may not exist in mainstream American culture, which mm-hmm. is driven by, you know, greed and the need to push, push, push. And what you've just said in, in your, some of your descriptions is, you know, when ministry mentors is at its best, it's helping ministers and their families to model a different way of caring for one another as a family unit. And you mentioned that that could be sort of almost a, a model for other families in their, in their pastoral community. I'm just struck by the connections between the immigrant communities that you've mentioned and the immigrant church communities that you've mentioned and the model of ministry mentors. And I wonder, do you think about that connection and do you reflect upon that connection in, in your work or, or is this is this something that's sort of subconscious that I'm just picking up on? Thank you. I've never thought of it. <laughs> I will think about it. It's beautiful to think of, yeah, how that interconnects. Well, if, if we, if we riff on that for a moment then and think about the ways in which, you know, your own community in Iowa, you mentioned growing up in, in that particular church. So what were some of the, what were some of the things that that church did really well to care for its, its, its community? Food. There was a lot of care. There was a lot of care among, there was a lot of pride. So sometimes those lines were drawn out of pride. But there was a community that would not let anyone go hungry, as an example. There were relationships that, with church as the center, though not easy all the time, especially for children (laughs) who in that day and age were to be quiet and all of that. But, But you knew you belonged. There was a deep sense of belonging and a security in that belonging. And I would see where the, where the immigrant, even today, I mean, we are immediately looking for where am I safe and where can I belong. And I'm seeing now, as you have just said, the beauty of that going into ministry mentors of, for pastors, where am I safe? Where do I belong? And how can I help others be safe and help others belong in this unique vocation that I've been called to. Is it is it really that dangerous to be a pastor? I mean, are are there snares and toils that we can we can point to? I mean, you've mentioned that they have a lot of bosses, but let's expand on that for a minute. Like what when a person comes into this vocation and they work as a as a a, a clergy person and they are caring for the lives and the spiritual lives of others, what are some of the snares that await them? Let me begin with what I mentioned just briefly earlier, because I don't want to lose that in the midst of this. There's probably nothing that is more rewarding and more of a privilege than to walk with people in vulnerable times. And when someone you love has died 
as a parishioner, you are very vulnerable. And as a pastor, they will let you in to this space that and feel safe. And so you share as a pastor in these holy, holy times. And, and that's true of baptisms and it's true of confirmations and it's just true of walking with people in their daily lives. And I, I don't know that pastors would survive if we didn't have that, <laughs> that first, that first go-to, which is the pure joy <laughs> of being able to be with people that's so real and so genuine. I think the snares come when, well, I would say at the base of a lot of it is when a pastor enters, uh, let's just do to a new church situation, and the, all the bosses bring their own expectations of what this new pastor is supposed to bring. And the new pastor is sometimes, oftentimes, is put on a pretty high pedestal for what is demanded uh, or what is expected. And it, the snare can be if the pastor or the mutual ministry committee or the pastoral relations committee, which is a committee that hopefully in most churches is established to be in communication with the pastor, if those expectations are not clear through that support system for the pastor, the snare for the pastor is to try to meet all those individual expectations. And that's a, it's impossible. It's totally impossible. And it's not healthy. And one of the reasons, it's not only not healthy for the pastor, but it's not healthy for for the congregation. I mean, obviously, there's some work that needs to be done there that brings expectations into, to be able to communicate with each other. So that would be one. Another one would be our own egos, because, you know, you're kind of special to a lot of people. <laughs> and so you kind of really need to be in your own care place, which mentoring does, and spiritual direction certainly can do, peer groups can do. But um, a scenario you can get into is is believing that you're great. <laughs> and because people kind of want you to be, some do. So it's a, it's, it's a way of maintaining the clarity of expectations and the, the, the humbleness but with an authority because you do have the authority from the Holy Spirit. But those are a couple of snares. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She's executive director and president of Ministry Mentors, an organization that supports pastors by providing independent, confidential, pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. We'll be back in a moment. Earlier in the program, we talked about advertising, but there are ways to support Things Not Seen even if you don't have anything to sell. I just wanted to take a moment and give a quick shout-out and thank you to our Patreon supporters. Now, if you don't know what this platform is, it's a way for you to regularly give contributions that support our work 
every time that we release a new episode. It costs you just a little bit, like maybe the cost of a latte a month, maybe a dollar an episode, but it adds up because it aggregates with all the other people and ends up being a nice sum for us. Many of you have stepped up. We've only been doing this for a few weeks, but already the numbers are there, and I appreciate it so much. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do it very easily. Just go to patreon.com. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash notseenradio. Thank you always for listening, and thank you especially for your support. We really do appreciate it. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Each week on our program, we bring you a rich conversation about culture and faith. We're speaking today with the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She's executive director and president of Ministry Mentors, an organization that supports pastors by providing independent, confidential pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. So a lot of the people that listen to our program are people that have been to seminary. Mm-hmm. And so, first of all, you've mentioned that Ministry Mentors, even though it has roots in the Lutheran Church and the Evangelical Covenant Church, it's not denominationally narrow. It's a, it's a, it's a wide spectrum. All right, so if a person who is listening to this wanted to get involved in Ministry Mentors, what would be the first steps that they, that they would take? And then what could they expect to be the process of kind of getting involved in a mentorship? Ministry Mentors website – is ministrymentors.org. And on the website, there's a whole history of the organization. And I I need to add, too, that those are the two faiths that the two leaders of the organization have, I mean, the two denominations, that Don came from the ELCA and me from the ECC. But the mentors that we have come from, the Episcopal, Presbyterian, Methodist, several mainline denominations in particular, but we also have evangelical. The On the website, there is a page that says, um, you know, contact, if you want to be contacted. And that, when you, when you sign up for that, that goes into our administrator, who then is in touch with our mentor, or me, and our mentors. And we have a process that there's a, a like a questionnaire that says, would you like someone that is in your same denomination or outside the denomination? Male, or, you know, just some particular questions about what you might be seeking in mentoring, and then we, the names go to the regional leader, and sometimes the regions connect and sometimes they don't. Because as we know in our world, a big growing piece is electronic connections and Ministry Mentors has some non-geographical groups as well. So we try to serve and connect people no matter where they're coming from. If people choose to have a hands-on mentor and we have mentors trained in that area, of course, we connect them. And then the, the mentor gets in touch with the pastor and from that time on, what happens is between the pastor and the mentor. We gather the the uh, numbers because we need to and all of that. But So it's a kind of a, a, a tiered process um, to try to make the connection that will be the most helpful for the pastor out there. Is it limited simply to those in pastoral ministry 
or would you widen the net to include chaplains or would you widen the net to include say those – and I'm thinking of, of several of my colleagues in the nonprofit world here in Chicago mm-hmm. who are ordained but who are running nonprofits. Mm-hmm. I mean how, how wide a net or do you, do you limit it strictly to a person who's functioning as a pastor mentoring a person who's functioning as a pastor? That's what it has been. But we're being challenged and invited to grow in many ways. And so I will, I will hang on to that, that idea. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking with Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She is the executive director and president of Ministry Mentors, an organization that supports pastors by providing independent, confidential, pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. And when you say you're being challenged to grow, uh, do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about kind of what those challenges are? I mean, as we're facing a new century, I've got, I've got a, a dear friend who's actually been a, a longtime conversation partner with me who runs the Chicago Bible Society. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he's facing is, you know, the, the mission of the Chicago Bible Society is how, how do you put Bibles in everyone's hands. Well, in the 21st century, all you need is a smartphone to have Bibles right. in everyone's <laughs> hands. So a lot of, of organizations that have really noble missions are having to rethink their missions. Now, it strikes me that the Chicago Bible Society's problem is sort of the opposite of your problem. If if they're seeing that they have you know too many Bibles available, my sense is probably you don't have enough mentors available for all the need that's out there. But are you in the, in a process of sort of thinking about the shape and and, and face of your mission in a in a world that is increasingly multicultural and multi-faith in its expression. Mm-hmm. We're on the edge of that. We're on the edge of that. Yeah, and and I, I think especially especially continuing to grow with the electronic mentoring to begin with. And we've always been open to every denomination and every every aspect of every denomination. So it's been multi-faith for denomination uh, Christian obviously, since the beginning. There are interesting um, conversations going on with, the, with, as you said, the reality of our world and where do we intersect with other faiths and, and how do we be the ones of the world as spiritual leaders that set different norms and different examples of what it means to be with each other, in nonviolence, in care, in prayer. And so for me, the challenge of that is also the, the incredible gift of, of saying, you know, how can we as spiritual leaders be used to bring some of that into our world that's so hungry for some good news so yeah, we're it, it's a challenge, and and we're not gonna. I've, I've learned not to push anything real hard, and when it's to be open, to be open to see it being offered to us, perhaps, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Since you've sort of opened the door to this. Uh, you began the conversation by talking to us about your own discernment process, moving from being an educator to becoming a person in the pastorate yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you you took a sort of wider depth of field and you were a superintendent for the Evangelical Covenant Church 
for was it a, the nation or a region? No region. The just, region. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so Central, t- took a step yeah. back, and now now you're you're the head of a national organization right. that works with pastors from from every state. I'm just I'm curious now that we're at the the sort of the the other side of the conversation. How does this work feed you, you, particularly Jolene Bergstrom Carlson, on a spiritual level? Is that a fair question? Oh, absolutely. I know from my personal life the difference between taking the risk of being honest and authentic and vulnerable. And when I have any part of a group of people for whom this begins to happen and to see how God works in us through just who we are. I just can hardly even, the thought that that is going on for pastors, I don't need to know the content. That the joy that that you're able to still be able to give and receive as a mentor and to just experience those kind of, oh, I really can just let go. And and again, I will say the word safe in this mentoring relationship and know that somebody understands. And taking just feeling the, the deep breaths that can happen and the burdens that can start to fall off the shoulders is pure joy to know that that's going on. I'm very grateful for our mentors. I'm extremely grateful for the pastors that will allow themselves to receive mentoring because that usually flows into giving mentoring then too. It's a privilege that is just full of surprises and of course conflicts and all those things too, but the the openness of how the Spirit works among us when we are authentic with each other is very powerful. Well, you just mentioned authenticity. And you've also mentioned that the the arrangement of the ministry mentors is is not denominationally narrow and that you have both evangelicals and mainline Protestants mostly who are involved. I'm wondering, because that can sometimes be a pretty contentious mix, and if both of those sides of that equation, the mainline Protestants who are sometimes more progressive and the evangelicals who are sometimes more conservative, and I'm, I'm overdrawing those lines clearly, but – but sometimes that can be a, a pretty toxic brew. I'm wondering, do you always uh, do you always place uh, a pastor mentor with a person of the same denomination, or do they sometimes go across denominations and maybe across confessional lines within those denominations? And at those points, do you find that the sparks begin to fly, or do the do the lines of that the lines of force begin to soften. Like, tell me either whether this is a horrible idea or a great success. <laughs> First off, it the all of the mentoring is directed by the pastor. So, a pastor that would not be a pastor that would want to remain within his or her own um, convictions, uh, you know, would ask for that and would remain there. And because we're really not in the business of, you know, persuading anybody of anything, we're we're in the business of having pastors connect 
for their own healthy growth. So we have we have all of the above. We have ones that wouldn't sometimes gender has even been an issue. I would choose, you know, not to cross gender. I would choose not to cross from this side of the faith to this side of the faith. I do want my own denomination. Other times there's I don't care who do you have available. <laughs> and I think maybe the historical beauty of this has been where the cross-denominational pieces have happened because pastors fairly quickly see how some of the same, both beautiful and hard issues that we deal with are not one one's own personal denomination necessarily, but are more universal and are shared among denominations. So that's been one of the gifts of the cross-denominational piece that has been part of the DNA. And I think part of the genius of the founder of the organization. So far, we'll see what happens. But so far, (laughs) I don't know how many sparks are going on (laughs) in some of those private mentoring situations. Perhaps there's more, but I haven't heard about them. So So as you've been doing this work, I I wonder if, if you feel comfortable sharing what your greatest frustration has been. As, as you've been doing this work and, and looking at the sort of, the, the sort of need that's yeah. there for this kind of work. Yeah. I'm, I'm needing to say one thing before I go into that, okay? And that is, I, I need to say that we also, on the, on the interdenominational piece or, or cross-denominational piece, we, our mentors are vetted by the denominations. My job when a new mentor comes through or a lead mentor brings a new mentor in is to be in touch with the judicatory a person that is in charge of that particular pastor and get a, a clearance. Yes, this pastor is in good standing. And so I, I, I wanted to say that because we really are we're, – we're, well, we honor that denominations do a really big vetting process. And so that keeps us from, from having any – you know, potential areas where they might be kind of fuzzy and stuff. So I'm very grateful for that. I would say the frustrating, we have a need for people realizing who we are and what we can give. And it's been where we're like this beautiful jewel that not too many people know about, (laughs) that this is really available and um, at this point in the organization, we're still able to do enough fundraising so that the mentoring to the pastor at this point does not have cost to it. And so it's a, a beautiful opportunity for pastors to connect with each other. And so if there's anything that's frustrating, it's how do we get the word out more? And let me turn that question around now and say if, if you find things in your work that give you great hope, uh, what would those things be? What What do you see when you when you're looking at the work that you do? And I imagine a lot of times the work is very remote from the right. the actual places where the mentoring is happening. And as right. you say, you don't know the content. How do you find hope in that? Where's the hope for you? It's, um, there's lots of places, just lots of places. The the joy and the energy that the board has working together. It's a really well, yeah, it's a board that has a lot of care. And a lot of desire to continue to 
have pastors get as you know as much help as possible. So the board is just it brings a lot of hope into my daily life. The lead mentors do too. You know they're kind of like out in the regions and just seeing how they are with each other when we meet together and hear their stories about what's happening. And um, and then just, you know, now and then you get, you hear some stories of how much of a difference it has made in a pastor's life. And I look and say, you know, if there's even the beginnings of churches and pastors realizing that life together can be more whole <laughs> and can be very cooperative and can be joyful and can make a difference in the world and in the community, that gives me such energy. And if we can be a small part of helping a pastor get that kind of support and courage and encouragement and affirmation about who he or she is, ah, who needs more? (laughs) Well, Reverend Jolene Burks from Carlson, as a person who spent a brief period of time, just a few years in the pastorate, and as a person who is always constantly at risk of burnout, I just want to thank you for the work that you and ministry mentors are doing. I know that it's greatly needed. And just thank you for taking a few minutes to speak to us today. I've been really inspired by this conversation. Well, thank you. (laughs) It's delightful. We've been speaking today with the Reverend Jolene Bergstrom Carlson. She is the executive director and president of Ministry Mentors. That's an organization that supports pastors by providing independent, confidential, pastor-to-pastor mentoring among clergy. She herself has been a pastor at North Park Covenant Church and Douglas Park Church in the Chicago area, and she worked for many years as well as the associate superintendent for the Central Conference of the Evangelical Covenant Church based in Chicago, Illinois. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media LLC with the support of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the public radio exchange. Today's show was recorded at the studios of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club here in the Chicago Loop. Our theme music is composed by Gene Keecha. David Dalt engineered the show. Kim Tron, David Dalt, and Colleen Pellisier did the editing. Our staff includes Travis Abels, David J. Dunn, Natasha Alford, and Alexander Badenoch. Katie Scroggin is our senior producer. Taylor Gould is our seminary intern this year. You can follow us on Twitter at Not Seen Radio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and find out more about upcoming guests. That's Facebook.com slash Things Not Seen Radio. And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, and learn more about our guests if you visit us on the web at thingsnotseenradio.com. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.